James chapter 1. I'm just going to read one verse. James chapter 1 and verse number 17. If you're there, say amen. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness neither shadow of turning every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from the father of lights who does not change neither is there shadow of turning in him he's not going to change he's not going to turn there's not a shadow of turning in him we're going to talk about that in a minute but I woke up this morning with a little word in my spirit. I want to preach to you this morning about a never-changing God in an ever-changing world. A never-changing God in an ever-changing world. Would you invite the Lord to speak to your heart right now? God, whatever you have for me today, I want it. God, whatever your desire is for me today, I want it to be accomplished in my life. I pray that your kingdom would come and that your will would be done in this church right now as it is in heaven. Let your will be done in this city as it is in heaven. Let your will be done in every heart and every life in this room as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, let the church say amen. 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 God bless you. You may be seated. I'm grateful today that we serve a God who does not change. The word of the Lord tells us that, that every good gift and every perfect gift comes from him. That there is no variableness in him. There is no shadow of turning with him. When circumstances get to be such as they are in some of your lives today, and we see the instability in this ever-changing world, I believe that it is human nature to grab and reach for something that is solid, something that is stable, something that we can count on. In other words, we're looking for something that is not changing. The world that we live in today is ever-changing. It's, it's like you wake up to a whole new world every day. You really wonder sometimes when you go to bed if it can get any more crazy, any more strange, any more awkward, any more deceptive. And then you wake up the next day and you're like, it beats it all. It's amazing. And you, you, when you think you've seen everything, you just better hold your breath. Because tomorrow you're going to be surprised again. For some people... They're looking for a solid thing that they can hold on to. And when they can't find that solid ground, they reach for something, some substance, some bottle, some kind of substance that numbs their mind. There are people in this room today that can tell you about the delivering power of Jesus' name. That when they thought they had found an answer... They realized it was only temporary and fleeting and it was not lasting and that 
For years in their lifetime, they could not find stable ground. So they would pick up a bottle and they would numb away the feelings of reality. And they would pop pills down their throat and they would grab drugs and substances. But there's somebody in here that could testify today that when all other ground in your life was sinking sand, you found a solid rock. That is Christ Jesus. I've come to tell you this morning that when everything in your life fails you and everybody in your world turns their back on you, there is a God who is mindful of you. The word of the Lord said he knows the way that you take and when you've been tried, you shall come forth as gold. I want to sing it today from the rafters and let it ring on Christ the solid rock I stand all other ground is sinking sand I don't know where every one of you are in your stage of life today what you're looking for but I do know this we're all looking for something with more stability I can tell you working in uh, financial businesses outside of the church right now, working in mortgages and financing and things like that, I can tell you we get surprises every single day. Uh, I get email reports throughout the day of, uh, of pricing on how things are going to look for housing and, and mortgages. And there's, a, there's an email that comes that I've just got used to seeing. I get it almost every single day. It comes from, from, from the pricing department that they're getting all the, the, the interest lined up. And this is what it'll say. Every day I just get it and I just delete it. It'll say, pricing coming worse. Pricing coming and then worse. I'm like, that means... It's a little more expensive. I mean, somebody's going to pay a little bit more. That means somebody is going to be looking for another answer. I want to tell you today, I've lived long enough to see ebbs and flows of society. I've lived long enough in my lifetime to see interest rates as high as they are right now. And then they go back down. But this is what I do know. It's always changing. It's always changing. But I'm going to tell you something else. I've lived long enough to know. That there is a God <laughs> that does not change. You don't know what's going to happen in the housing market tomorrow. You got one professional that says, well, it's going to keep climbing. Your house is going to be worth more in two years. You got others that say, no, but it's going to crash. The bubble's going to crash. And somewhere in the middle, you just get crazy and be like, ah! You got some groups that are saying this is the best we've ever seen. Others that are saying this is the worst I've ever seen. Well, I'm going to tell you right now what I believe. I do believe this is the darkest time that the world has ever seen. I don't say that to be negative, but I believe it. I believe this is, a, this is a dark time. And I believe the reason it's a dark time is because we are right on the edge of the coming of the Lord. And the Lord told us that before he came... In his word, he said, the times are going to get perilous. Paul told Timothy, he said, just know that perilous times are going to come. He said that men are going to be lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. He said, listen, he said they're, they're going to be prideful. 
Are you what I'm saying? He said, proud, boasters, heady, high-minded. And we're all sitting back saying, oh, no, what are we going to do? It's a dark hour, but I am not afraid. It's a dark hour, but I am not intimidated. I want to tell you the best thing you can do for your mental health is to turn every new station off that there is and open up this book. Because if you'll get in the back of this book, you're going to find out everything we're seeing it was expected to happen. But let me tell you the other thing I expect to happen. When other things fail and other systems fail and banks close their doors and financial institutions close and lock it and walk out, there is a God that said, if you'll seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, I will add all the things that you need to your life. Folks, I'm not afraid. I am not worried because I have a never-changing God in an ever-changing world. I'm not kidding you. I've got to the place in my life that sometimes when I read some of the things that are going on, I just throw my head back and laugh. The chaos that people love to live in. But I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. You write this down. You write it down. I'm telling you right now. I know there's an unsettling in, in, in church. They try, to, they try to sell it. I want to be very careful how I say this. But they take all churches that consider themselves Christianity, put them in one big bucket, and they say the church is declining. You read reports saying that churches are closing their doors and that they're giving up. But I want to make something crystal clear to you today. The church is not declining. There may be denominations that are closing doors and Churches that are selling buildings, but the church is just fine because the church is built on a solid rock and foundation. I'm telling you, I have never, I never dreamed that I would see. I used to wonder when I was a kid, I've been saying this for several years now. I used to wonder when I was a kid how we would get to, to, to the picture that we see in Revelation like, how would world governments get so much power that one man could rule? And I, I mean, how in the world would, how would they, they ever take all the people that profess to be Christians in the world and force them into one world religion? And, and I'll tell you, we're seeing it right now. We're seeing it happen. Just a few days ago, I saw the report released of the, the, the top in the whole world, in the, in the whole world, it was a list of the top most dangerous people in society. And they had, they had people on there that are blowing people up and blowing buses up and blowing hotels up and blowing schools up. You know, th those whole groups. And we'll be careful today. I know we're streaming. And you know, you know what they put on there? Now, don't let this blow your mind. You know what they put on there? Christians. They put it on there because we've come to a time in life where we knew it was coming because the Bible said it would, but that 
you call good evil and evil good. And so when you're trying to do good things, uh, and people call it hate speech, it's impossible to disagree with somebody anymore and not hate them. That's what society wants you to believe. But I want to tell you something. You need to be encouraged today. Because the church is not in decline. And I'm going to tell you the rest of that story. Some of these people, Lord God have mercy. Some of these people that think they have found the solution and, and, and they're acting crazy and acting foolish and all that, they're going to start looking for some stable ground when all of this whole thing starts falling apart. Because I want to tell you something else I saw this week. I saw this lady, and I, man, I've seen it. I've seen them holding people to jail for, for quoting scripture at pride rallies. And I've seen all that. But let me tell you what else I saw. Can I do that? At a pride rally this week, I saw this girl. Her eyes were full of hatred. She was, it was awful, just cursing and terrible. And, and she was cussing at this woman who was standing there, just an evil, vicious look on her face. But all of a sudden, that little girl stopped and looked at that woman in the eyes. And that woman looked at her and said, honey, do you know Jesus loves you? And all of the hate that was on that girl's face started changing. She said, yes, I do. She said, sweetheart, do you know that he died for you? She said, yes. Yes, I do. There were, there were rainbows all around her, people standing all around her. And this girl that came, she came full of hatred. That woman said, do you believe that he died for you? And do you believe that he wants to be your savior? She said, yes, I do. And tears started streaming. You listen to what I'm telling you right now. This system, it's got nowhere to go but to crumble. There's nowhere else for it to go but to crumble. And what this world needs is not a hateful church. And it stood on the, on the sidelines pointing our fingers of how stupid and how terrible. You know what they need? They need somebody that when their system crumbles, they can find a house where there is safety and there is a God that's never changing preached in this pulpit every week. You know what's going to happen? God's going to send some of these people that we thought were hateful. They're going to come and say, I've got a need in my life. I've tried everything else. I've tried drugs. I've tried alcohol. I've tried sexuality. I've tried it all. I've tried perversion. But give me Jesus. And this is why it's important to be sure that the message of Jesus we preach never changes. You do realize that's why there's an all-out attack. I know this sounds dumb, but you just... You just trust me when I tell you this today. If there's anything I know, I study the church world. I study what's going on denominationally. I, I look at it and I watch it. And I'm going to tell you what I've seen through the dumbing down of things. They've tried to take Jesus out of the church. They've tried to take away his crucifixion and his resurrection. They'd rather talk to you about eating good, having good health, and living a long life, prosperity. And the focus has become on who's got the best cafe, who's got the best coffee. Now they got their own roasteries, good stuff. You know what? You're looking at a coffee man today. I, I love coffee. Thank God for coffee. I'm not a coffee snob. I like it all. I like that bougie coffee, and I like Folgers coffee. I, don't, I like coffee. I like it cold. I like it hot. I like it iced. I like it blended. I, I love coffee. 
How do you take your pastor coffee? I'll drink it black. I'll drink it. I, I don't care. Put half and half in it. Put sugar in it. I like brewed coffee. I like the instant coffee in South Africa. Me and Sister Martha, we'd have coffee in the morning. She'd pour that coffee in there, stir it. We'd have coffee together. I like coffee. But I'm going to tell you what I don't like. I don't ever want this church to just be known by good coffee. Miss Sarah, she's got it together. Where'd she go? Where's she? There she is. She's got it together, man. She runs that cafe. She's got, man, I know you can't believe this, but I work with her every day. She's at the school. She runs a cafe. She's got a whip on her. She can do it. She leads with an iron fist. She really don't. She really don't. She's precious. But I'm going to tell, tell you what I want. Can I, just be, can I just be real with you this morning? I want, it, I want it to be said, if people are going to talk about our cafe, I want, this is what I want. I walked in that church, and I was just expecting that I was going to be judged. I was just expecting that people weren't going to like me. But when I walked through the doors of that church, the first person that greeted me in the parking lot and at the front door and at the cafe, they had a smile on their face. They wrapped their arms around me and said, we love you. We're glad you're here. Hey, look, there's enough hatred in this world. We don't need any more coming from the house of God. No, they're not going to dress right when they walk through. No, they may not smell right. No, they may not have a job. They may not have much to offer, but I'll tell you what they got. They've got a soul got a hunger for something solid and we've got to give them a foundation that will not move can I tell you what they need they need a never changing God in an ever changing world if you believe it shout amen, amen. I want to tell you today when I say to you that God does not change I want to tell you what I mean I mean that God does not change primarily in three ways. His essence, his character, and his purpose. The first thing you need to know about God is that he does not change in his essence. We could say it like this, he does not change in his nature. In other words, he never stops being God. Just because he was the father in creation... And the Son in redemption. And the Spirit in the church. It doesn't mean that He ever has to stop being any of those to be another of those. The essence of God, who He is, it never ceases and it never changes. He will never, ever stop being holy. He will never stop being infinite. He will never stop being eternal. He will never stop being real. He will never stop being true. He will never stop being sovereign. It doesn't matter if you turn your back on him. He's still God. It doesn't matter if you let him down. He's still God. It doesn't matter if you stumble along the way. He's still God. And you can't sin enough to make him stop being merciful. Pastor, I've made so many mistakes. Let me back up and say this to you one more time. He will never stop being holy. He will never stop being sovereign. 
You know what God's about to do? He's about to take the mess you're in and turn it into a message. He's about to take the test that you've been in and turn it into a testimony. You cannot change the essence and nature of God. When does he give up on me? You can't. You can't change his essence. Well, I don't want God to love me. Well, too bad. But I said I hated God. Too bad. Because I want to tell you the person that says they hate God the most, there's a little flicker down in their soul that they don't want anybody to see. There's a little flicker down in their soul. They may say they hate him, but I'm going to tell you, you just wait till he puts his hands on them. You just wait till they get in the presence of God. You just wait till they hear an old-fashioned hymn and something starts. They don't hate God. They just don't know how to trust him yet. You can't change his essence. I love this story. I, I wish I had time to really tell it in detail, but I'm going to tell it quickly. I was sharing the story the other night with Brother Reading, who pastors in Greenfield, that uh, I was talking to him about Sister Helen Wilson. She came here for so many years, Helen Miller, after she married. I always called her Aunt Helen. She, she was very precious to me. And Late in life, she married Hubert Miller. And uh, I became very close with Brother Hubert. He was very kind, took time with me. We played a lot of golf together, and he was just a precious man. Uh, when I met him, he felt like he was old. You know, he, just, he was just a little old man. He was so sweet. and uh, we, we played a, a lot together and, and laughed a lot together. And uh, he, got, uh, he got dementia, Alzheimer's, uh, and uh, they eventually put him in the hospital. And I don't know if you've been around very many people in the late stages of that, but he, he was at the stage like where he closed his eyes. He would never open his eyes and look at anybody. And it had been months, I guess, was my understanding, since he had said a single word, like nothing. You could talk to him. He wouldn't acknowledge. He would nothing at all. He just was, it was blank. And it was, it was so sad because he was there in his body. He just, he was there. But you couldn't communicate with him at all. There was nothing. They would try to give him medicine, and he would seal his mouth. They wouldn't let nothing in. Wouldn't say nothing. Well, we knew it was getting close to the end because he was just really getting weak, and he, they couldn't get him to eat. So my mother and I took a trip to Greenfield. We went up in the hospital, and Hubert hadn't communicated with anybody for months. And uh, I sat down next to him on his bed, and we prayed for him. Talked to him a little bit. Of course, no response. I said, Mom, you want to you sing a song? She said, yeah, let's sing one. I said, let's, let's do the old rugged cross. So I'm sitting there on the bed, and I said, on a hill. Yeah. Hubert opened up his mouth. He said, far away. Yeah. Stood an old rugged cross. Let me tell you something. When you realize the power of what happened in that room right there, you start recognizing the essence of God. When he touches you,
I'm trying to get where I'm going. I may not finish. A couple weeks ago, they had a funeral for Brother Timothy Copeland. Powerful, one of the greatest preachers I've ever heard in Atlanta, from Atlanta, Georgia, outside Atlanta. His boys are precious. His, his, his uh, son, Clark, married Brother Tanton's daughter from Noblesville. A precious people. Brother Copeland was as good as anybody you'd ever meet in your life. And at a very, very young age, in his 50s, he got this quick onset dementia. Like, un- just unbelievable. That We were all just couldn't, be- just couldn't believe it. That a man who knew the word and could preach like that, just like that, gone, nothing. Started dwindling down. And one of his boys at the funeral the other day said, when dad got to the place that he was nonverbal and he couldn't communicate anymore, so there was, there was no way. They said we would bring him to the church, take him into the sanctuary. And they said we'd just sit him down and he'd just start crying. Couldn't say nothing. Hadn't talked to anybody. They said, Dad, would sit down in the house of the Lord. And he'd just start weeping. And his son Jordan, the pastor of the church, Brother, Brother Jordan said, he said, my dad had communicated with us. Said nothing for weeks and maybe even months. He said, but those tears started coming down his face. And Brother Snow, he said, in just a few minutes, my dad opened up his mouth and started speaking with other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. He hadn't said a word to anybody in months, but when the Holy Ghost got on him, he began to, you know why? Because it ain't me when I'm speaking in tongues. That's why I believe, that's why I believe it's the will of God that every man, woman, and child in this world be filled with the Holy Ghost. When the man couldn't communicate with his family, God communicated with him. God will never stop being those things. It ain't going to happen. He doesn't just quit being God because things go bad for us. And I wish I could preach to somebody in here this morning. Secondly, I want you to know, he doesn't change his character. The scripture said that every good and every perfect gift, every good gift. Somebody say good gift. Somebody say perfect gift. It comes down from the Father of lights. Every good gift, every perfect gift, it's from above. James shifts gears from all the evil that's in the book. If you read it, it's talking about sin. And he shifts from the evil. He said, but I want you to know every good and perfect gift comes from above. He said, the lust of your flesh, it'll consume you and it'll eat you up. But every good gift comes from God. He's saying, hey, look, look just a little bit higher. I know there's things that are changing in your world. I know there's a lot of variables that are moving, he said. But, but I want you to understand, it's not all just lust. It's not all just perversion. It's not all just sin. I know sin is ubiquitous. I know it's everywhere. I know there's nothing you can do to get away from it. But let me tell you what else you can't get away from. Every good gift and every perfect gift. Pastor, what are we going to do? What what are we going to do? It's getting dark. Every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above. Who does it come from? It comes down from the Father of lights. What are you saying? I'm saying let it get as dark as it's going to get because the Father of lights is sending down good gifts. You know what I believe? I believe we are postured for the greatest harvest that we've ever seen in our lifetime. We are in a place where good gifts and perfect gifts are flowing. Let me hurry. Let me hurry. I've I've, got to hurry. 
every, every, every good gift. The word gift denotes the act of giving. The emphasis is on the giver. Every good gift. In other words, God is the author of every good gift. You could say it another way. He doesn't solicit us to do evil. God does not tempt us to do evil. I, I, don't, I don't know where, where we got that. Now, I'm not saying God doesn't tempt us in the, in the fact that he lets us go through some things that we're going to have to choose our own way. That's, that's pretty biblically sound. But God will never tempt you to fail him. If, if, there, if there is sin in your life, that temptation didn't come from God. Because it, that would be against his nature. As a matter of fact, the scripture said that there will never be a temptation in your life that is so great that he doesn't provide an equal way of escape. However great the temptation, he is that great of an escape. The scripture leads us to understand that the good gifts come from him. But he does not stop giving good gifts just because I fail. This is the basis of his character. Now, my character, folks, I, 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 I probably shouldn't say this because some of you like me, but only a few. My character is flawed. I've got flaws in my character. I try. I mean, my wife doesn't see them. But I try. My, my wife, they'll, they'll say, your husband seems pretty chill. She said, he is. Until, you know, I, I got, I got flaws in my character, but I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you one of our problems is that we look at everybody else and we judge their character. We judge their flaws. We judge their shortcomings. And then we take God and throw him in that same batch. I want this to be crystal clear today. He has no flaw in his character. And at some point, you're going to tell the devil to shut his mouth and you're going to start believing the promises of God that all things are working together for your good. It don't matter if it looks like it. It don't matter if it feels like it. His character is not flawed. And God is working for my good. He is working for my benefit. Now, every good gift denotes the act of giving and the emphasis is on the giver. But when the scripture said every perfect gift, I've never really noticed this. But the second word for gift, for perfect gift, is a completely different word than the good gift. The good gift and the perfect gift in English, gift is the same. But in the Greek language, the second word for gift is different because it refers to the gift given. The good gift refers to the giver. The perfect gift refers to the gift that is given. It is the bounty. It is the benefaction. It is the gift that is given. So the first word emphasizes the donation. But the second gift emphasizes God's generosity. 
Are you with me? You cannot outgive the Lord. Even when you feel like your back is against the wall, you better just start looking up. Because the giver is about to make you a benefactor of a good gift. I know, I know times get tough. I know you're pumping money in that gas tank. I know you're trying to stretch your dollar. I know you ain't never paid that much for a watermelon. But let me tell you a safe place to be. You paid them tithes. You've been faithful to God. You've been faithful to the house of God. Just go ahead and get ready. Every good gift and every perfect gift. Pastor, I just do not believe that tithing is essential. Don't do it then. But for those of us that take him at his word, every good gift and every perfect gift. (laughs) This is all inclusive to the nature of God, of who he is. He is a bountiful God in giving to us. I wish I had time to preach that to you. He loadeth me daily. Somebody shout daily. 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 With benefits. Every day. Like my good days. My bad days. My short days. My frustrated days. When I can't seem to get it right. When I can't seem to figure it out. He loads me daily. When I fail God, he keeps on loading me up. When I turn my back, he keeps it. Look, you, oh God, have mercy. you turn your back so he heaps up mercy. You fall in love with him so he pours on more love. You can't change the nature of God. Last but not least, he does not change in his purpose. Psalms 33 and 11 said, the counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart from generation to generation. I like how Paul said it to the church at Philippi too. In 1 and 6 he said, I am confident of this very thing. That he who began the good work will be faithful. Somebody say he's faithful. He is faithful to complete it. We all love our calendars. Well, kind of. We run our lives by calendars. But plans change. Two weeks ago on Wednesday night, a storm came in. We thought we were going to be done. We thought the parking lot was going to be sealed. Rain came in on Tuesday night. They couldn't get the parking lot done. So you know what I did? I laid out in the parking lot and I kicked and screamed, acted mad, ripped my shirt. So this is so stupid. Hey, you know what I did? They called and they said, hey, Pastor St. Clair, this rain, we're not going to be able to get it done. I said, no problem. Listen, people are flexible. You know, our purpose was to have church tonight. We we were going to have church, but you know what? We're going to be all right at church. And you pulled in today. The parking lot looks good. Brother Robbie got down on his knees and painted every single parking lot stop by hand with a brush. Thank you for helping us get all that paint, Brother Tony. Get it all here. It's amazing. That guy's a pretty hard worker. Got it all done. I pulled in last night. This sounds so stupid. I got to hurry. I just just came to church last night just to drive through the parking lot. 
I said, hey, girls, you see the parking lot. Dad, we have. You ain't seen it today. It looks good. And I thank God for it. But you, you got to have a little flex, you know. Well, I'm going to tell you, we change. And our calendar changes. You got a party on your calendar, then somebody says something stupid. You're like, Psh, I bet I go to that party. Yeah. Psh, I ain't going. Psh. You ought to heard the way they talked to me. And so our calendar goes, not going to do it. The Lord said, my calendar says this. I tried it through rams, through bullocks, through priests, through tabernacles, through tents, through altars. Didn't work. So you know what? Before the foundation of the world, I made a way. And I'm not going to change my calendar. I'll try other things, but I'm not going to change my purpose. I'm not going to change who I am. Listen, it is a lie. That the world is selling you. I'm almost done. But it is a lie that the world is selling you. That God is just this cruel image that sits up in the heavens somewhere and damns everybody to hell. What kind of God would send people to hell? Wrong. God don't send anybody to hell. He, hasn't, he has not sat on that great white throne judgment yet. God has not sent anybody to hell. Oh, this is going to be strong, but I hope you love me when I'm done. I'm going to tell you. Anybody that goes to heaven or hell will be by their own choice. If you make it to heaven, it won't be because of your preacher. And if you go to hell, it won't be because of your family. Let me tell you about this God. He is not a God of damnation that sits on the throne sending everybody to hell that disagrees with him. Let me tell you what he did. He crawled down off of that throne and he robed himself in flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. He's the only reason I'm not in hell. He just sends people to hell. No, he keeps us from it. He gave us a choice. His purpose was to save us. And you can't change that. Let's stand. I, I, I got to quit. I got to quit. People are trying to change him. They're trying to change who he is. They're trying to change what his church looks like. They're, 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 they're trying to change the very heart and the soul of the church of the living God. Let me tell you, he is a never-changing God in an ever-changing world. I'm reaching for somebody in here today that's been looking for some answers. You've been looking for some solid ground in your life, and this is what I know. You won't find it running. You're not going to find solid ground running from your purpose. But if you'll run to him today, my mind couldn't help this morning but to go to Luke 15 to a boy who had ran away from his home. He had ran away from his father. He took everything that he had and spent it with riotous living. But the scripture said that when he came to himself, he realized there's some solid ground at home at the father's house that I can get back to. I'm reaching for somebody in here today. You found yourself in a pit and a pen that you never dreamed you would be in. So let me tell you, there's still room today in the father's house. There's still room at the feet of a never changing God.
I'm going to ask you across this room right now as the music plays to bow your heads if you would. Because I'm going to ask you to be really honest with me this morning. I don't want anybody looking. Because we're just going to have a moment of transparency in this room. But if you're in this house today and you would, you would be honest enough to say, Pastor, I've been in a season where I've been standing on some ground that's not so stable. Maybe you've even prayed prayers and said, God, I, I, you've got to help me get some stability in my life. If you're here today and you can be honest enough to say, Pastor, I, I could use some stable, some stable ground, would you just lift your hand? Thank you. Thank you for your honesty and your humility. Thank you. If you're in this house today and you know you've been running from the call of God in your life, and you know that you have been running, but today you're you're willing to say, Pastor, I'm tired of running. I'm ready to embrace what God has for me. Would you just lift your hand? Oh. Jesus. Now, all across this room today, would you all just raise your hands to the Lord? And we're going to pray for those that lifted their hands. If you feel it right now, these altars are open. If you want to come pray today, we got some people that will pray with you. These altars are open. Listen, He loves you so much that he cannot change he loves you so much that he will not change he loves you so much that in the worst condition you could ever be in he kept on reaching for you